Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's a professional paddleboarder, author, motivational speaker, and advocate. It's Mike Shorman. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm great, Alex. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited to have you on the show to talk about all about your Rise to the Challenge. What we like to do with our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Yeah, so I'm from Toronto, Canada, so just on top of New York. And so naturally, I, I see you're, you're wearing um, Cardinals uh, sweater there. I'm, yep. I'm, a, I'm a Blue Jays fan. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit in trouble a lot because I'm a Blue Jays fan and a Yankees fan, and they're in the same <laughs> division. So it doesn't, it doesn't really work well for me. Um, but yeah, I'm from Toronto, and growing, growing up, I was um, like, like as a child. You, you mean? Yeah, go right to the beginning. Yeah. So you know, growing up, I was, uh, I grew up in two homes. Um, you know, split family. And, um, you know, I, I, I was very involved in sports. So, so hockey, uh, karate, soccer, um, softball, biking, um, and competitive swimming. Um, and I was, I was always, you know, being thrown into something. Um, but it was, it was great. It kept me busy and, uh, and I loved it. Growing up in a split family, was it hard for you going back and forth or were you guys able to manage it and it's like no one could tell anything was happening? Yeah, so I think I didn't I didn't really notice it too much. Um, you know, um it was it was it was, you know, managed very well. Um I do remember you know, the households were very, very different. So when I was with my mom, it was just me and my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was with her the majority of the time. And then I'd see my dad, you know, every Thursday night and, or every Tuesday night, Tuesday or Thursday, and then every other weekend and and holidays and stuff. Um, But, but my dad's home, you know, we, there were, there were siblings um, and it was, you know, louder. Um, whereas with my mom, it was just me and her. So, so I had to grow up. So, so I grew up like faster, I think, um, in many ways, because I was having dialogue primarily with, with a parent and with, and with, you know, her friends. Um, but no, it was, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. It was, uh, you know, just, just very, very different households. It was, it was entertaining. I can definitely relate with that growing up in my family. It was a split household at a very, very young age. And so basically going back and forth to the households, it's basically I grew up doing it all my life and until I got to a certain point where it's like, okay, I'm just going to drive over there and just visit and stuff. So a lot of kids nowadays can relate to that. And a lot of people as adults can understand that feeling because they've gone through the similar situations. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh, it's just, it was just very strange. Like I remember, I remember very well, like just growing up with my mom. So I had watched adult shows, like at an age where, you know, most kids might not. have. Mm-hmm. So like on Monday nights when my mom was watching Melrose Place, I was watching Melrose Place with my mom. And then I'd go over to my dad's and things would be completely different because, you know, I, I had younger, I had younger sisters and, 
you know, we're watching Power Rangers and stuff like that. Like, it was just completely, completely different. Growing up when you were playing all those different sports, was there always a sport that kind of caught your attention the most? Like, I want to do that more. Yeah, so I think I always kind of, you know, I wa- <laughs> I always loved the Olympics. Um, and being from Canada up in the north, naturally, I think I went, you know, I gravitated towards or I was more entertained by the Winter Olympics, mm-hmm. um, you know, the adrenaline sports. Yep. So, you know, the bobsled the luge, like the dangerous ones. Um, It just was exciting. Like the aerials with the skiing, you know, when you go off the ramps. Yep. Um, And it just, it just excited me. And I loved seeing, I loved seeing it. And, you know, I I wish I'd been, I wish I grew up in a different part of the country where I could have been close to, you know, training centers because that would have been something that I, you know, possibly would have considered going into someday. But, um, but no, I was very involved, very involved with sports. And, and I always, you know, I always loved volleyball um, and, and baseball. I thought I, I, I still watch baseball quite regularly. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, sports, sports have always been a part of my life. Did those sports teach you anything about yourself that you never knew you had it in you? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, when you play sports, um, it, it allows you to, you know, so, so, so when you play sports, you know, there, there's winning and then there's losing. Um, and you have to get over losing because it's a, it's a fact, like it's good. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Right. So yeah. Like even, even in baseball, like, you know, you might be on a great, on a, on a great team, but you're going to lose a bunch of times throughout the season. Um, and it's learning how to take those losses and just put them behind you and just carry on. Um, so I think, you know, when people are involved with sports, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great thing for kids because it, it gives you, it helps you build resilience. When you took those losses in sports, did you ever have that competitive feel that you wanted to maybe go pro eventually with sports? Um, not with any of the sports that I did. Um, so I fell into karate by accident. Um, I think karate was the one where I probably could have gone the furthest um, before I ended up doing what I did. Um, but with karate, I, it was it was interesting. I, I was I was being bullied in in school, so my dad put me in karate lessons, um, and he said, you know, let's let's teach you to um, you know, to be able to stand up for yourself and to, and to defend yourself, you know, in in case it came to that. And which, which I actually don't agree with. I don't, I don't think you should fight. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there are many, many other different, but times were different back then. So, but anyways, I, I did karate and, 
Um, and I, you know, I excelled at it very, very quickly. And I think it was 93 or it was 93 or 94, but I won the junior world championships uh, for the belt that I was in. And, and it was a big thing. Um, it was unexpected and, and we didn't, you know, I, I, you know, we didn't even know or think that I could be in contention. Um, and then I just stopped. Um, and I don't really know why I stopped, like look, looking back at it, but, but I, I could have carried, carried it on, carried it on and, and done something big with that, I think, but who knows? You could have represented Canada in the Olympics. I could have. Just in the wrong season of the Olympics, not the winter one, but the summer one. But the summer one, yeah, yeah. But now, now, you know, there's, you know, stand-up paddleboarding is a big part of my life. And, um, you know, there's the world championships. They're trying to get it into the Olympics. I think it will be in the Olympics, not not this one in, in Tokyo, but I think it will be a part of the following summer Olympics. And that's very exciting. Um, Cause then it'll, it'll be, if it's in the Olympics, it'll be in the Paralympics too. So, so that opens doors and, and opportunity. So that's exciting. Well, look at all the sports they just added that like surfing, I think golf is now in it, uh, sports rock climbing or sports climbing. I think it's just, they knew that there's these big sports out there and they have to keep something fresh. Like let's get as many athletes as we can to have that dream of being an Olympian one day. Yeah. What sport were you in a sports when you were a kid? Growing up, I was all over the place with sports, baseball, soccer, yeah, tennis. I almost forgot the sports that I played. Um, And so it was just fun to be out on the field and stuff. And then as I got older, injuries and then other stuff was happening. And then I kind of view myself as a wild card in a way. Like people don't look at me and think, oh, he's athletic, but that's when I come in and showcase the skills. Like, it's kind of like, you're going to keep me <laughs> hidden for a while and stuff. That's why, like, when I was in college, intramural sports were so fun because it's not like you're being competitive, but it's just all about having fun. And yeah. I keep telling myself I'm going to do a summer league every year, but then I can't find it. Like, I was just watching um, dodgeball on TV, and I'm like, oh, I really need to be in a dodgeball team right now, but they don't have those out here. So, but I sports. Joined, I joined a men's dodgeball league in Toronto um, for a season, you know, six, seven years ago. And it was so, so much fun. Oh, so I'm much fun. jealous. Yeah. Just like whipping it. It's so, <laughs> so good. We all just imagine ourselves being Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller in the dodgeball movie. Just yeah. we're just diving for everything. Yeah. yeah. As you're growing up, did you have any motivations or inspirations? Someone that you looked up to, someone that kept you going in all your goals that you wanted to achieve? Um, yeah. So I think it all go like so I talk about it. So I've got a new, I've got a new book out. It's called Crash and Rise. And I, and I talk about it in my, in my speeches, in, in my talks. Um, I talk about the importance of superheroes. Um, and 
growing up, I was a big Batman fan. So although not a real figure, um, yeah. there were many qualities um, about, about, about the character that I really identified with um, and I really just gravitated to, towards, um, you know, stoic and, and brave and, um, you know, always trying to do the right thing. Um, even even when it's hard, um, and I just fell in love with the whole kind of Gotham universe, and that's kind of carried me through to, you know, going into professional paddleboarding, and and then you know having an identity crisis because I'm not really Batman, I'm more Aquaman, um, <laughs> but, but but no, I think um, I I really looked to for for characters um and and also sports sports figures um you know i always love a comeback um i think i think america loves a comeback um they love a good comeback story so like carrie strug at the olympics like when like the gymnast mm-hmm. um when she was like down and out and then she came back and she landed that vault yeah like, like, that's just like boom power like <laughs> everybody sit down i'm speaking like just amazing moments like that i found hugely uh inspirational to watch um yeah so i love a good comeback well I, those are the moments you'll remember forever i mean people are still talking about that moment every time they do like a package during the Olympics, NBC here in America, they always showcase that. And you ask the gymnast, like, what's a memorable moment? They always kind of, they mention that as a memorable moment. And I love how you mentioned Batman as an inspiration, because I think people always view that question as it has to be an actual person, which it doesn't have to be, because there's characteristics that those characters are basically technically a human in a way. If you take the cape off of them, they're technically an individual person living in a world and people gravitate towards those characteristics or they're such a fan and they're like, I can see myself in those people. And I think that's what makes it so special. So I love the comparison that you've done and the attributes that Batman brought into your life and that you utilize those today. And there's probably things Aquaman does that yeah. you can relate to. And it still is an inspiration that people utilize today. I think, um, I think especially what they do well when creating superheroes is, and, and, and when they're building up the character of the hero Mm-hmm. Um, in every story, there's a hero, whether it's your story or somebody else's story or a made-up story. Um, but I love how in all of these stories, they are flawed, flawed characters. Yeah. And there are good parts of them, and then there are dark parts of them. And it's contrasting. And I find that really interesting. One of my favorite things to do now is people watch. Um, I love just watching people and watching not like sometimes on on like the train or something but mostly like like I study 
I study people who have businesses and I watch them and I watch how they, how they build and, and what their systems and what their processes are. And, and I find people watching very interesting um, even today. I, I, I can admit to that too. I, it's just, it's, you always think like, what's their life? What's something that's going on? And you just want to know more. And I think then that gives me like the confidence to start talking to them. And then I just talk to someone random and it's like, okay, that just made my day. Yeah. What was that dream job that you were wanting growing up? It's always that one question we always get asked. What's that dream job? So it's really funny. Um, both of my parents both work in law. Uh, they both work in law firms. Um, my mom works in corporate and my dad works in medical malpractice. Uh, he's the equivalent of Aaron Brockovich in Canada. Um, so growing up, you know, I used to see my dad come home in a suit and like, it's not the same now like now, like in law firms and, and stuff, like you don't dress up like you did back in, in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Like it was to the nines. And and I just thought, oh, yeah, there he is in his nice briefcase and he's got all these files and he looks very important. And, and I thought, you know, that's going to be me someday. I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to be that. Um, I'm going to, you know, follow in his footsteps and and do what he does and um and eventually you know I I went into public relations and marketing um and then I turned that into a paddleboarding career um I became a professional paddleboarder um and then because of what happened um health-wise I um I pivoted and transitioned into uh, consulting and speaking and, and, and authoring a book and and coaching. So it's, it's weird when you look back at, you know, what we think we're going to do and then what we end up actually doing. Um, what, what about you? (laughs) So I always, every time, like you have those, oh, this person's going to be this when they grow up. I always got game show host and I still thought I was going to be a game show host. I don't know why, because I used to watch them all the time. Didn't even go into that direction. I'm like, I don't want to be in California. Nothing. I didn't want any of that. But now I kind of say I'm hosting in a way because I host my own show. I control, I don't control everything, but it's like, I'm still living that passion in a way. You never know. I could end up being on a game show sometime, someday. Just not now. (laughs) Talk about the support or maybe not the support when you made that decision to become a professional paddleboarder, because I think a lot of people that are listening to this, they maybe didn't even think that you could be a professional paddleboarder as an athlete. So talk about getting involved in that. And what was the reaction from your family and friends that you were becoming that? So, um, yeah, so you can become a professional paddleboarder. Um, so, you know, I, I was actually on a trip and uh, I was overseas. I was in India and I'd taken up paddleboarding as a hobby. 
um, several years earlier. So paddleboarding for people who are listening is essentially surfing with a pa- with a paddle. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I you know took a lesson and I fell in love with it. And and while I was away, you know, years later, I had this kind of light bulb moment that I wanted to turn it into a career. Um, so I wanted to build a business where I would create experiences for people and teach them how and and you know just just build up their confidence and and their power in it because a lot of people you know they they'd show up and they'd be all nervous and anxious and scared but by the end of it they were they were like gladiators out there and it was you know really cool I remember um and I talk about it in Crash and Rise my book um I remember having the conversation with with my family because they're in law right and, mm-hmm. and you're just kind of, and I'm abandoning all my post-secondary education I did um an internship at the number one PR agency in the world and I'm just abandoning like everything and um and it was weird like like I'm part of the LGBTQ community it was like coming out again um, I was totally freaked out. <laughs> I was like, why, why do I have to tell them that I'm a professional paddleboarder? Um, but they were, they were really cool about it. They were like, yeah, like, you know, do what you love. And, you know, as, as long as you're great at whatever you do, you know, just, just keep doing it and, and, you know, hit a home run. And um, so, so I did, I, I built this thing and yeah, no, they were very supportive. Um, my friends were very supportive as well. Um, you know, I, I find that people who, you know, I, I circle around a lot of entrepreneurs um, and I have for several years, most of my good friends have their own businesses um so I think you know when I said I was going to open a business and this is what it was going to be I think they saw that it could be really great um and they were excited so I didn't really have any 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 you know holdups from from anybody around me you mentioned that you're going away from what your family was doing with law and stuff, but kind of when you're opening a business, you're still using PR and marketing in any aspect. Do you feel that you are still utilizing that college experience and what you were learning to build that business and show your family, I'm still utilizing it, maybe just not in the direction that you thought I was going in? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think so, you know, when I entered into the marketplace with my business, there were about 10 companies that were doing what I was doing, um, like teaching paddleboarding um, and doing clinics and lessons and rentals. And, and by the end of my first season, I shot up to the number one. Um, not just in the city, but in the province. So like mm-hmm. the state. Um, and I did that by using the marketing and the public relations skills that I had learned in school. So I, 
you know, I, I contacted all the top blogs, um, all the top influencers. I had Olympic athletes come out. I had stars from Big Brother come out powering. Um, I had, um, I partnered with the Canadian Safe Boating Council to be their media guy. So whenever, you know, I don't know if you guys do this for Memorial, Memorial Day, but we have, the, we have a similar holiday weekend that weekend. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of signals boating season is open. Um, so they do water safety demonstrations for the news, so like all the news companies. So I contacted them and I said, hey, you guys need a paddleboarder. And, and they said, yes. So I became this media personality um, and, and it gave me the authority that the other paddleboarding businesses didn't have and the credibility. Um, and that shot me to, it shot me to success with my business very quickly. Um, and yeah, so no, I talk about, I talk about marketing with entrepreneurship in the book. Um, you know, when I, when I started, like I did, I did SWOT analysis of all of my competitors, everything like strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. I had graphs. Um, it was it was a crazy, um, crazy thing. But no, I I I used marketing and PR throughout my paddleboarding career, and and even even in what I'm doing now, very much so. Did you enjoy following your passion with paddleboarding, but in creating awareness of a sport that maybe wasn't out there yet? Yeah. So the amazing thing about paddleboarding is how peaceful and how calming it is. Um, You know, Toronto's got one of the, I don't know if you've been, but it's got one of the nicest, most beautiful skylines in the world. Um, and I would teach right in front of our skyline at sunset or mm-hmm. during the day and at sunset. But I had a, I had a program that I ran and, you know, in the evenings and we have an airport right behind, right beside, you know, where we would do it. So we'd be teaching and planes would be coming into land and the sunset would be happening. And it was very picturesque and beautiful. Um, and, and at the time, you know, paddleboarding is the fastest growing water sport in North America right now. It has been for the last several years and it continues to be. And I think that's because of the exposure that it keeps on getting. So it just keeps on building. Um, and it, and it, you know, I've looked at the trend forecasts and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. Um, but no, I, I felt, I felt, you know, pride with, being able to share that with other people. And part of part of my favorite part about what I did was at the end of my lessons, I'd kind of position all of my my students up like in a row. And I'd tell them to hold their paddles up and I'd take a picture of them, like the gladiator pose. <laughs> and um and I'd send them home with like wow photos. Um and and that was great because you know they go home with like a like a a take-home piece, um, and, and and also they don't have to worry about losing their phone out there, um, <laughs> because that can happen. 
I actually tried paddleboarding a couple years ago on a vacation in Florida. And like you said, it was peaceful. It was just nice. And I just, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, like I said, I was a wild card. So people thought, ah, you're going to fall and stuff. Nah, I got up in a second, but just going out as far as I could, it's just, and looking out into the distance of the water, it's just like peaceful. Like you're just like, wow, look where I'm at. But like you said, those people didn't have their phones. Nope. I had my phone with me. I'm like, I got to get every photo I can, but it's just showing that a lot of resorts nowadays are doing that, the paddleboarding, and they're just showcasing it. And you don't have to stand up. You can sit, you can just paddle out softly like a canoe. And it's just, it's just amazing. It's growing. Like you said, bring some Tupperware and, and put some, like put some snacks in it and just go out and have a picnic on the board and just, you know, if you don't really want to be physically active, you can just go out and lay on it uh, and, (laughs) you know, get some sun and, and be with nature. Um, It's a great, it's a great activity. I was very, I was very, I was very sad when it all came to an end. Um, And, and fortunately, you know, um, you know, that wasn't the end of the story. And, and, you know, I, I did get back on, but it was, it was very hard to say to, to watch that, you know, that business fall apart. So talk about that moment, because there might be entrepreneurs out there that maybe have gone through a similar situation with their business. So talk about what happened and what did that do to you mentally? Yeah. So I had, um, I had set the business up uh, to run, you know, seasonally um, from, you know, May through October. Um, And a few years in, I'd I'd set out to go out to California to establish and form partnerships with um, paddleboarding companies out there so that I could be out there, you know, making a living and, and earning in, in my off season. And, um, and I was going to run retreats down the Colorado river. And that was the plan and, and be out on Laguna beach and, and, uh, and do that. And I came back and I was really excited about life and I got really sick really fast, like 10 days later. Um, so what happened was I developed a neurological condition um called Ramsey Hunt syndrome and it's a reactivation of your chicken pox as uh shingles um and when shingles attacks your eye or your ear it doesn't happen a lot it's rare um but for me it caused my face to collapse on the one side um you know speech vision and vision problems um hearing damage in the one ear and I lost my sense of balance. So my, my, my mobility was gone. Um, so overnight, you know, successful, fit, athletic guy to not being able to walk. Um, and that was very hard to, to identify. It, it was hard to, it was like an identity crisis in many ways. Um, I didn't recognize who was looking back at me in the mirror. Um, I didn't recognize who I was now um, without what I did for what 
without my work. Um, I didn't recognize this new life that that was now mine. Um, and that was kind of forced upon me. Um, so it was very, um, you know, I think when people, you know, this year especially, so many people have lost their jobs um, with the pandemic. So many people have gone through isolation and, and so many things. Um, I think, you know, when, when something catastrophic happens out of the blue, um, it takes a mental toll on you. Um, whether it's an illness, whether it's a death, whether it's, um, you know, a job, a job collapse. Um, and, and, and it does, it takes a significant mental toll. And I don't, you know, I wasn't prepared for that. You know, when, when the doctors said, finally, you know, at the, I, I went to a walk-in in three different hospitals um, wow. over like five days um, before they ran tests and, and before they said, um, you missed the 72-hour window for treatment. There was a lot of anger. Um, but, you know, when, when they said, you know, what do you do for work? And I said, well, I paddleboard. <laughs> like, like, like I have a business and, and they just walked at me and they said oh boy <laughs> like I'm like, um, unbelievable um, so yeah no I think um, the emotional toll for me I, I actually had to go and get mental health treatment um, and you know I, I boxed it up for a long time and I didn't talk about how I I didn't talk about how I was feeling or, or what I was going through, um, partic particularly because I didn't want to, I didn't want to burden people any more than I already was. And also, I don't think I was really ready to deal with it. I wasn't ready to do the work until it, until it got to the point where I, I had to. Looking back at that time, do you wish you kind of told people about what the mental health struggles that you're going through? Or do you still think that you did the right decision with keeping it in? So I think I think it's always healthy to to talk about things um, and to be open and um, and, and to share what you're going through, um, with somebody that you feel safe to do so. Um, for me, I was, it all just happened so fast. Um, and the news just kept on getting worse and worse and worse. They're like, you know, this week we're sending you for an MRI to rule out brain damage. This week we're sending mm -hmm. you to physiotherapy and we'll see if we can help you. Um, like it just kept on compounding. Um, and I felt like I was in this tsunami of just being whipped around. And I felt like I, I couldn't breathe and I was drowning. Um, but no, I, I would definitely tell you know, people, you know, it's Mental Health Awareness Month right now. I would, I would definitely tell people, you know, we need to normalize conversations and stop making people feel so badly. 
um, about what they're feeling and what they're going through because it's um, it's an important thing. And when you normalize important conversations, it uh, it saves lives. Um, so so yeah, no, I would definitely tell people that. Although with my my journey. Um, would I go back and change things? No, um, because, because it led me down a path. And by going and getting mental health treatment, it actually gave me a lot of confidence. I think, you know, when, when I went into a crisis center, um, it gave me the confidence that I could do really hard things. I could do things that make me really uncomfortable. Um, and when I came out of that, I, I was, I was co more confident than I'd been in a long time. And it gave me the confidence to go out and do other hard things. Um, and I talk about that, you know, when I'm speaking at schools or businesses or, um, you know, to readers, um, how we build on wins and how we can leverage that and how every win kind of big or small sets us up for our next. Did you ever have a feeling that you're going to be able to possibly get back on a paddleboard? Maybe not at the high intensity like before, but just to still have that enjoyment of being out there. So, no, I remember, um, I remember having a breakdown. Um, I just come out of having an MRI uh, to summarize this condition you know, vertigo and dizziness is a big part of it. So even now, sometimes it's like a carousel in my head mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm being whipped around. So I, when I turn my head from side to side, like I get dizzy just doing that. Um, and, and I remember them saying, you know, like, we're going to do the, do your physiotherapy and we'll see how you do. Like, there's no guarantee. Um, but your paddle boarding is done. Like it's not a reality. You're also, you know, going to feel sick when you go on planes. Um, going on car trips is out. Um, so, so I remember when I got out of that crisis center, um, I was put in a position where I had the opportunity to get on a board, and I had that confidence instilled in me from doing that hard thing that I thought, okay, I, I can try this for a few minutes. I can, I can see how it goes. Um, it was very scary. I had somebody right beside me. Um, I was sitting down. I didn't try to stand up. Um, I just wanted to see, and it did. It made me feel really sick. I was knocked out for probably a day and a half. Um, from just sitting down on a board on water for three three minutes, but it, that win gave me the confidence that I could do it again. Um, and then I did it for five minutes, and then seven minutes, and then I stood up a couple months later. Um, and this summer, um, I will become the first person with a disability to paddleboard from one country to another. Um, I'm paddleboarding from the U.S. to Canada, from New York to Toronto. Wow, that's awesome. And yeah. it just shows that 
you put your mind to something. And I think that gives so many people that are listening to this inspiration in a way, because you didn't let something that you're going through stop you from accomplishing a goal or taking away your passion. Yeah. Um, I actually think that that, you know, that, that specialist who, who was with me and my dad in that room, who said that this isn't, this isn't a reality for you. I think that fueled me, that would have fired me. Um, I've had conversations with my dad since where he said, you know, I think on the other side of this giant paddle that you're going to do, like, you know, this historic paddle, like, I think that, you know, you should send him all the news coverage and just say, here you go. Like, you don't don't know me. Um, (laughs) um, But... No, I think, you know, when people say, you know, you can't do things, um, don't let that hold you back from, you know, believe in yourself. And if you can't believe in yourself, find somebody that you trust, that you believe in, and they believe in, they believe in you enough and just take that until you do um so no um yeah so you mentioned throughout the interview about writing a book what gave you the right idea to write start writing a book and how has that impact been for you yeah so i you know, I, part of my story is, um, how I, how I pivoted, um, with, with my career. So, so essentially my, my career ended, um, and, and I, I've talked about this, you know, a lot, um, how sometimes we walk, we walk in the dark on an unpaved road and we have to build it ourselves until Mm -hmm. we see, what's in front of us kind of like the Steve Jobs quote like you can you connect you can connect the dots looking back but not looking forward um so in many ways I was building this road that I didn't see so on a chance um you know one of my mentors um I talk about mentorship quite a bit is you know, she, she sent me some information and she said, you know, I think you should do this thing. And it was North America's largest inspirational speaking competition. And I thought, I've never done a speech before. Well, I haven't had, I, I was valedictorian. I gave a really terrible speech. Um, <laughs> but, but other than that, like, you know, I don't do speeches and these were all TED Talk speakers and people who go into like Google and do, do stuff like that. Um, and anyways, so, so I just applied on a whim and, um, anyways, I ended up winning. I, 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 I won. And that speech has gone viral and it's been seen by like millions of people and, and it opened up opportunities and windows and doors that, that I never entertained before. Um, and you know, Jay Shetty showed the speech, and, you know, 
Ashton Kutcher's platform. And it just became crazy um, what happened after that. But the book came very quickly. I had started journaling um, as a method of coping, um, following getting, getting help. And, and I was keeping track of different events that had happened and my takeaways, what I had learned, what I thought was valuable um, and could help entrepreneurs, what could help people who are you know, struggling. Um, and, and you know, providing kind of like a roadmap um, that I didn't have, that I thought that I thought would would be helpful. So so it all happened, you know, quite quickly. I, I you know, I did the speech, started working on a book very quickly after, and and it just came out this year. So, um, so yeah, so Crash and Rise, it's on my wall. Diaries of the Unbalanced Paddleboarder, because unbalanced, a little bit mental health, a little bit, I lost my sense of balance. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a little bit biographical. It's a little bit self-help. Um, and and it's designed as as a light, fun, entertaining beach read with a lot of pop pop culture. If you like pop culture references and and like, I try I try to make it fun. <laughs> when you're looking at your journey so far, do you feel that? you are always looking at what's next. Like I accomplished being able to get back on a board. I'm now accomplishing to go out and go from one country to the next. Are you always looking at what is that next challenge I want to go for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't know if you've ever, if you've seen it, but the Matthew McConaughey Oscar speech that he gave a couple of years ago um, where where he talks about um, feeling proud and accomplishments. And he talks about, you know, in 10 years, you know, he'll be, he'll be proud of that guy in 10 years. And then 10 years comes and, and he's like, he's always chasing mm-hmm. for, for that, that pivotal moment. Um, even though he was standing on a stage holding an Oscar, like, like it just like continuing, continuing, and you know what what can we work towards? Um, so you know this year was a was a great year. I became I became the international stand up paddleboarding man of the year award winner. Um, I was the first Canadian, the first person with a disability. Um, recently, I was nominated to be inducted into the Canadian Disability Hall of Fame. Um, that might be happening. Um, you know, I'm doing this big paddle, but I feel like, and, I, and I'm doing it for a mental health charity. Um, so I'm hoping to raise a significant amount of money for them. Um, but what I hope is that, you know, on the other side of that, that it, you know, it, it fires me up and I'm like, what can I do next? I can go from England to France. Um, and like, like, 
I'm just thinking about like all these things. Like, what will I do next? When does the next book come out? Like, when does this happen? Like, um, I think, you know, it's, you know, I plan, I plan my life um, generally six, six months out. Um, kind of like, kind of like a TV show film. So like, <laughs> like, I'm like, what's, what's coming up six months from now? Let's lock that down and, and keep on going. Um, and then, you know, in the, in the present, like I just, you know, go, th go through the, go through and, en and enjoy the motions, but I, I'm very much thinking about the future um, and, and working towards goals and, and ticking off boxes as, as I go. So I know we're getting serious, but we're going to break it up and do something fun. How yeah. long do you think it'll take you to go from, you said New York to Toronto on a paddleboard? Yeah. How um, long do you think it'll take you? So I'm going to be supported by two safety boats. Um, I'm talking with Red Bull right now to be on one of them which is super exciting. Um, you know, I think most people, they, you know, it's 93 miles. On a very clear day, you can see it faintly um, <laughs> in the water. Um, so I'm really hoping that it's clear, clear skies yep. because that'll give me something to, to see. Um, but but I think realistically, it's going to take three days. I'm going to have to do a lot of it sitting down. Um, I'm going to have to do a lot of it in the dark. Um, and and that, that's, you know, worrying. The, the whole point of it really is, it's kind of, it's kind of like a mental health journey. Mm -hmm. um, you have to just go through it. And you have to trust that, you're gonna make it on the other side and you just have to keep on going. Um, so, so you know, I'm not in a rush to, I don't need to beat a world record. Um, not that there is one, but I, I don't- Hey, you can start it. I mean, Guinness World Records will put anything in a world record nowadays. Yeah. Um, no, I'll be, I'll be happy to, to just finish and and to do that and um and yeah no it'll be it'll it'll be rough it'll be challenging i'm sure people on tiktok will find it hilarious when i'm having epic breakdowns in the middle of the lake oh saying, no why did i do this <laughs> i mean you basically could start a tv show with your just the three-day tv show put out into like 10 episodes or something are you videotaping or doing anything where people can broadcast it or i mean this is probably all talks and planning but have you ever thought about like taking like a gopro and put putting it on where you're able to show people this is the the three day journey that i'm about to go on yeah so we are talking about how it's going to look with filming um, I do have a crew, like I've got two support crews on two, boat, two boats, um, and I've got somebody who specializes in, in videography and, and social media, um, who's, who's going to be leading that charge. 
Um, so, so there will be equipment out there and, and, and yeah, now it'll be, um, entertaining. It'll be, (laughs) (laughs) people going to go like, what is this guy doing? Um, but no, I hope it just reminds people, um, I hope it removes some of the um, stereotypes that we have about people with disabilities. And I hope that it um, it does a lot of good for the mental health. I, I'm, I'm working with a youth mental health organization um, with with the money raised going towards them. So, so I hope it, it does a lot of good. The final question I'll ask you, for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give someone to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? So I would um, I would set out to find a mentor, and I would research people who have gone through what you are going through now before. Um, I think it's incredibly powerful to to meet those people and to connect with them and to build relationships. Um, so you know one of one of my mentors, um, you know, I tried to normalize my condition and and I, I, I got out to Google and I Googled famous people, my condition, because it was so rare and I needed to put a face on it that I recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that the founder of P90X, the fitness program, okay. uh, Tony, Tony Horton, um, he got this condition and it put him in a wheelchair about a year earlier. Than me. Um, and he's made a significant recovery. Um, but I wrote to Tony and in like my darkest hours um and and he he kind of led the way for me for a while and he sent me encouraging messages um and he reminded me that I was capable of overcoming these challenges and these obstacles and I think it's it's just incredibly powerful when when you find your Yoda and mm-hmm. and and you just you know you just hit it off with them so so for those people who you know whether it's entrepreneurial or not i think it's incredibly valuable for for anyone um you know it's it's not just kids who need mentors you know every everybody does everybody could everybody can learn from people who have gone through what they are going through before Well, Mike, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thanks so much, Alex. Thanks for having me. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full length episode in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.